How's everyone doing today? Good. Yeah, you guys in love with Jesus? Yeah. You guys ready to get into the Word today? Yeah. Hey, praise team, thank you so much for leading us in some great praise and worship this morning. We're going to continue our Asking for a Friend series. i got to be honest, though, I'm kind of looking forward to Family Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. Those services are so much fun. Uh, it's so much, we have so much fun with the kids. If you've never been a part of one of our family Sunday services, I encourage you to, uh, to show up and bring the whole family. We'll have the wee little ones in the nursery, so you don't have to worry about that. But like the, the children's church age kids will be in here. They'll be ministering to us as well because we believe in the next generation. We believe in investing in the next generation. And we believe in giving them an opportunity to minister as well. You're never too young to be used by God. Amen? Hey, everybody watching online, big thank you for tuning in. If you would, take a second and like and share the live stream. Help us spread the message and reach as many people as we possibly can with the word that we have going out today. We've got one more week in this series called Asking for a Friend. So I'm going to ask them to go ahead and put the Slido information back up on the screen. Um, This is your last chance to drop a question in that you want answered doesn't matter what it is. Did Adam have a belly button? If we got time, I'll answer that question for you uh, next week. Next week's going to be more of a kind of a shotgun approach to it. I'm going to answer as many questions next week as I possibly can. And if we have enough time at the end of that, we'll take some live questions where you can just text in your question to Slido, and I'll just answer them on the spot. We'll cover as many topics and answer as many questions as we possibly can next week. But today... We're going to be answering probably about five or six questions that came in all at once. And today we're going to um, be diving into the topic of worship. What worship looks like for us, why we do what we do in the church, why we do worship the way that we do here at Eastgate, why churches do worship the way that they do where they are. You ever wondered why they do that? While we have the song part of the service, while everybody has to stand up and sing and clap before the preacher gets up to preach and all that stuff, while we do all of that, well, I want to answer a lot of those questions today and uh, let you know that God's got a lot to say about worship because you and I were created to worship God. We were. Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 15. We're just going to dive into this. I hope you brought your notepads today or something to take notes on. Today's going to be a great opportunity for taking notes. We're going to read about half the Bible today because I don't just want to give you something that's my opinion on the topic of worship. I want to give it to you the way God gave it to us in his word. You know what I mean? Who cares what my opinion is? I want to know what God says about the topic. Uh, So get ready for a romp through the Bible today. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. A sacrifice of praise to God. I love that. You know, everything you do in your life is an act of worship to God. And when you say worship, like we, people get different things in their minds depending on what your background is or your, the culture you were raised in or what kind of music they listen to in your household. We, we have these different pictures and we have these, like a different mindset of what worship would look like. Like for some people, when I say worship, in your mind, you go back old school and you think about the classics like the song Amazing Grace. Go ahead and play that for them. Amazing Grace. How sweet 
See, that's that southern gospel stuff right there. Go ahead and sing along with it if you know it. I love the classics. I love those old hymnals. I love those songs like that. They're great. I grew up on stuff like that. But some of y'all, maybe that's not, like, if I say worship, that's not what comes to mind to you. Maybe you like more of a modern worship style. So if I say worship, you think about something like this. That's a great song. Golly. Great, great song. I love that song. How many of y'all love that song, William Maker? Oh, it's a powerful song. I love that song. Uh, maybe ma mainstream, modern kind of worship isn't your jam, though, and that's not what you get down to when you worship God. Maybe you got a different kind of beat to you. Maybe you like something a little more like this. Uh, oh, come on now. I love it. I see y'all moving. I see some of y'all moving now. See, something like that, that takes me somewhere. How many of y'all love that style of music? Oh, I love that. I love it. I see white hankies waving in the back right there. See, that's just, I love it. I love that there are multiple styles of music that we can worship God to. I love it. I think a big hang-up for a lot of people is that we equate a style of music with worship to God. When the style of music is the avenue by which we give praise to God. You know, it's not the music, it's the praise. It's not the music, it's the worship. It's the heart of worship that's lifted up to God. That's why you can sing Amazing Grace with no music, and I can get down with it. And you can bust out with Waymaker, and I can get down with it. And you can talk about praise is all I do, and I can get down with it. You can put me in the woods with a stick and let me beat on a tree, and I'll still worship my God because it's not about the music. It's about the heart that goes with it. It's about the heart that goes with it. 
I think sometimes we get caught up in cultural things. Listen, there is no such thing as a white man's worship music or a black man's worship music or a, a Hispanic person's worship music. There is just worship to God and different avenues for music by which we express that worship. I think we need to set aside our preferences and even our prejudices that we try to disguise in a spiritual kind of camouflage and just say worship is worship, is worship is worship, it's worship, no matter what the style of music is. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? You guys with me today? We're going to have some fun today. It's, just, it's a cultural kind of thing, and I don't want us to get caught up in a cultural kind of thing. Why? Because worship isn't cultural. It's a heart crying out to God, and just like the, the worship style and the worship music really isn't a cultural thing, Thing, it's not it's something we should get hung up on. We need to realize that worship actions aren't cultural either. They're biblical. They're biblical. Just like worship, our heart crying out to God is a biblical thing. Worship actions, they're not a cultural thing. They're biblical. Maybe you grew up in a church where praise and worship looked like this. See, that's culturally what you were surrounded with when you grew up. Maybe your family was real reserved, and your dad told you, boy, girl, we don't get crazy. You're going to stand there, and you're going to be respectful. You sing a little bit, but don't you get crazy, okay? Cultural. But our worship to God can't be defined by culture. It needs to be defined by what his word says. Amen? It needs to be defined by what his word says says, and, and that's a big thing. It's a big thing. Like Isaiah 29, verse 13. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, guys. It says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's interesting to look at this and see that what God first equates worship with and the authenticity of worship is the hearts of the people that are lifting it up to them, to him. It says, their worship of me is, is based... On merely rules or human rules, they've been taught cultural kind of parameters or cultural change, if you will, that's kind of defined what their worship is supposed to look like. And God says, I don't care about any of that. I want your heart to be expressive to me. And as we go through the message today, I, we're, we're going to look at what the Bible says about worship and how God wants us to worship him. And, and I'm going to challenge you a little bit today. Okay, I'm going to push you a little bit today to get to the edge of that comfort zone and take another step. My goal for us as a church every week when we gather together here is to take another step in our walk with God and take another step closer to who he's called us to be. I think that's a great goal, don't you? Okay, what's not my goal is this. I don't want you to feel pressured. So in everything that's said here today, I want you to know, look, nobody's judging you because you worship God a certain way or don't worship God a certain way. I'm not judging you because of that, okay? That's, that's not what we're going for today. I've been in church services where that's kind of come across as an unspoken goal. You know, you're not doing it the right way. We need you to get with the program and do it the right way. Come on, Skippy, let's get with it. You know, that's not what we're going for here today. I hate that. I hate, like personally, I hate when I feel like I'm being manipulated, 
and somebody's trying to coerce me into doing something that I'm just not comfortable doing or I don't want to do. Okay, that's not my goal today either. All right, but I do know this, that God's word challenges us and God's word brings about a change in us, amen? And, and I guess I could say it like this. If you, if you want to find a church that loves you where you are but challenges you to take a step closer to God, you've found the right church. Okay, that's what we do here. We love you where you are. There's no judgment in that, but we want you to take a step closer to how God says he wants praise and worship to look like for him. And I think that's important. Okay? It's like the old joke goes, uh, a guy walked out of church service, and he walked over to the pastor, and he said, well, tell you what, preacher, I didn't get a whole lot out of worship today. And the pastor looked at him and didn't miss a beat and said, well, that's okay, buddy, because we weren't worshiping you today. We were worshiping God. And so I think that's important for us to remember. Worship isn't about our preference or what style we would like the most or even about what we're comfortable doing or not doing. Worship is about giving. And it's it's about expressing love and thanks to God. He's the one. It all goes to him. It's expressing love and thanks to God. And women usually connect in worship a lot easier than men do. Because women are usually a lot better at expressing themselves than men. And I don't know if that's a bad thing. That's just how we're initially wired. And for most men, like expressing themselves verbally and with nonverbal communication, it, that's a learned thing. You know, most guys, we, we equate things with action. I do what I do because of how I feel. And women, I want you to tell me how you feel. Show me. You know, and, and don't just say it. Let me, let me see you say it and believe it by the body language that you're carrying yourself with. Why, am I telling the truth, ladies? That's, that's how you send and receive communication. Guys are different. Guys are different. Men, I want you to listen to me, though. Okay? Every man in this place. If you're a man, let me hear you go. There is that manly grunt. I love it. All right. Every man. Questions. One. Did God design you? Yeah. Okay. Did God make you a man? Yeah. Some of y'all didn't nod your head. It's okay. That might be a topic for a message later on in, in the month. We'll come back to that, though. But God designed you. God made you a man. Did God create you to worship him? Okay. Now, follow this line of thinking. Okay. If you do what you were designed to do, then you are becoming who you were designed to be. Okay? Therefore, as a man, when you worship God, that is the manliest thing you could possibly do on this side of eternity. It's the truth. Because that's how God designed you, and that's what God created you to do. Amen? Let me hear the men say amen. Amen. Man, men should lead the way in worship in the church, I think. And a lot of times the women do that because they are naturally more expressive. But God's called us to lead the way as men. And I just want to challenge you, men. Might not feel natural. Might not feel like it's something you just, it just clicks with in the beginning. But you know what? Most things in the Bible that God asks us to do don't, you know? Uh, God asks us to be a servant, and that goes against the selfishness and the pride that we're all wired with. And so in the beginning, 
learning how to serve and be a servant, have a servant's heart, that doesn't come naturally, but once you get it down and you get a rhythm to it, it becomes easier and easier. With giving, with tithing, with trusting God, with your finances at first, it might not seem natural or it might not be comfortable, but as you see God bless along the way, as you're trusting him along the way, it becomes easier because you see that this stuff works, amen? The same thing's true with worship. It might not feel natural for you as a man in the beginning, but the more you do it, the more of a rhythm you get to it, and the easier it becomes, and the more powerful it becomes in your life. Like any other spiritual act that you do, kind of awkward at first, I get it. It's been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I get it. But trust me, the more you do it, the more powerful it is in your life. Amen? So, in Psalms 35, it kind of gives us a look into how worship is supposed to work. Okay, we'll talk about mechanics and some other things in a little bit because I just want to give you a great overview of worship and answer by doing this answer a lot of the questions that have come in. Um, Psalms 35 verse 9 says, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Now, I want you to notice the progression here. It starts in his soul. Then in verse 10, he says, My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and the needy from those who rob them. But notice the progression. It starts in the soul, and then it works its way out to the whole being, to the whole body. It starts, worship starts in your heart. It's not something that we just go through the motions of. It's not so singing a song is great, but you can, you ever, you ever said something to your spouse and they called you on it because you said the words and they could tell that your heart wasn't in it? Cricket, cricket, cricket. I know that's never happened. You guys watching online, never happened at all. Worship starts in the heart. It starts in the soul, and it overflows out of a heart that is grateful to God for what he has done and is thankful to God for what he has done, for him making the way where there was no way, for him doing what he did on the cross to set us free. It's an expression of love and thanksgiving and gratitude that wells up out of us, and we can't contain it, and it just explodes out of our mouth as we sing praises to God, and it translates to our body language and our demeanor and everything. Everything like some of us on Sundays when we're worshiping God, we're like, praise God. I love Jesus, way maker, miracle worker, lion of Judah. Mm, yep, God's awesome. Tell your face God is awesome. That's what I'm saying, you know? Like you can tell when somebody's really worshiping God and they're just going through them. Like it just flows up and just changes everything. That's what he's talking about here. So worship not the mechanics. It's not you know, raising the hand doesn't get you closer to God or singing louder doesn't get you closer to God. It doesn't mean that you love God more because you do any of those things. Worship is your heart overflowing into those expressions as you give God praise. Does that make sense? I'll try to keep it real practical and not confusing today. That being said, as, as our heart is expressing that praise to God. God does give us some insight, though, into how he wants us to praise him. He does give us some insight and some instruction in his word on what he likes. And you know what? If God likes something a certain way, I want to go with that. I want to go with that because if I'm praising him, I want to make sure that I'm praising him the way that he wants to hear it and the way that he wants to see it. 
And so I want to go over some of these things that the Bible says, and some of them you're going to be like, yeah, Josh, I get that. That's so basic. But it's important for us to go over this stuff so that we get a full picture of what worship looks like and what worship can do for us spiritually, okay? So the Bible says to sing. The Bible says to sing when we're giving praise to God. Now, that's not the only way you can give praise to God. Everything you do in life is an act of worship to the Lord. How you work, how you, like your work ethic is an act of worship to God. Your attitude at home is an act of worship to God. How you listen to your mom and dad is an act of worship to God. What you do in your schoolwork, an act of worship. Everything is an act of worship to God, but specifically in a corporate setting like this. Bible says to sing. Psalm 95 Starting at verse 1, let me read some Bible verses to you. It says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Colossians 3, 16 says, Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Psalm 147.1 says, Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. Oh, it's fitting to give praise to God. Who has done what he has done for you? Who? And I always challenge people this way. If God's never done anything for you, then don't praise him. But if God's done something for you, I believe that it's fitting to lift our voices and give praise to God. I believe it's more than fitting to give praise to the one that sacrificed everything for us. Now, if you're like me, when you, you hear somebody say the Bible says to sing, you're, you know, I, you like to sing solo. You like to sing so low that nobody can hear you because you don't have a good singing voice, right? Well, God didn't give me that gift. I just don't like singing in public. Hey, I get that. The Bible's got us covered too because the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. Right? Anybody in here like me that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket if you wanted to? Man, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I can get a song in my heart to praise God. And it might not sound as pretty as what you can hear these people singing up here on the stage. And it might not sound as beautiful as somebody singing on the radio. But I can touch the heart of God with my joyful noise just like anybody else. You can't stop that song from getting out of me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Hey, good news. This is why we've got the sound system in here. So we can turn it up a little bit louder. So we can drown out all that joyful noise stuff. So you can get as joyful and as noisy as you want to. And you don't have to worry about anybody around you hearing you. You can just go crazy for God. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? I love that joyful noise. That set me free when I read that. Set me free when I read it. But the Lord wants us to sing. That's why we sing in service like this. Uh, another thing that we see in the Bible that God encourages us to do when we worship him is to, you see a lot of people in churches um, lifting hands to, to give praise to God, and we raise hands to, to celebrate. It's a sign of celebration. Um, Psalm 134 says, lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. 
Lifting your hands is a sign of celebration. And sometimes we feel awkward in church doing that because it kind of feels weird. And I used to be that way till I finally had something click in my brain. I said, you know what? We, we don't have a problem doing that outside the church when we're celebrating stuff. You know what? If, if Pastor Jeremy came up to me after service and said, hey, Pastor Josh, God just laid this on my heart. I'm supposed to give you $50,000, so here's $50,000 cash. Whoa! Guarantee you. My hands are going to go up just like that, and I'm going to give a shout. Whew, man, I might even say Alabama's a decent football team after something like that. Jeremy's a big Alabama fan. Something like that happens, though. I'm going to celebrate. We celebrate things outside of church. Why is it okay for us to celebrate things by lifting up our hands outside of church and not in church? Like when Tiger Woods won the Masters not too long ago. Look at this picture. There's Tiger. He's celebrating. Where's his hands? None of those people in that picture won the Masters, but they're celebrating with Tiger. Celebrating because something awesome just happened. Just happened. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been to a concert? Yeah? I'll show you a picture of an ACDC concert in church. Yeah, check this out. What's Buddy doing? Hands up. Look at that crowd. Where are their hands? Telling me people can lift their hands at an ACDC concert and we're uncomfortable lifting our hands in church to a God that created us and is more than worthy of praise. Uh, check out this one. This is a, a Billie Eilish commercial or a concert, sorry. Um, look at the hands. They're all up celebrating and expressing themselves with the music. If Satan can create all this counterfeit music to steal the worship away from God and people in the world respond this way, come on, guys. Come on, guys. We can lift some hands and give God some praise. Um, how about this? How about football? This is the Falcons. This is one of the rare times that they score a touchdown. Hopefully, we'll see them doing a whole lot this year. Look at, the, look at homeboy's hands. Up in the air. Yeah, somebody said first half. <laughs> Hopefully, we have a second half football team this year. But look at the people in the crowd. What are they doing? Hands are up, celebrating, because something awesome just happened. Now, you're going to tell me that out there in the world, people can get excited and celebrate and lift their hands and go buck wild and shake the foundations of wherever they're at because they're excited about what's going on. And the church of Jesus Christ can't get excited about the one that gave his life and died for us, who bled for us, the one who set us free. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It reminds me of the disciples when the lady came in to Jesus and she had that alabaster jar of perfume and she poured all of that perfume out on Jesus' feet and all the disciples were over in the corner going, are you kidding me, man? That's over a year's wages that she just poured out. Oh, that could have been sold and we could have funded the ministry but she was giving something to Jesus that was so much more beautiful in that moment. She was giving a sacrificial act of worship to him. She was pouring that out on him. You know, when Jesus has done something for you, you worship him just a little bit different than everybody else in the room. Because this is a woman that had seen her brother Lazarus raised from the dead not too long 
before she was worshiping God. This is the same woman that Jesus had cast seven demons out of. Maybe she was pouring everything out to Jesus because he had done something powerful in her life. Is there anybody in here today that says you've got a testimony that says that God has done something powerful in your life? Where are the people that God has healed? Where are the people that God has set free? Where are the people that God has restored? And you're telling me that we can't give a shout and get on our feet and give God praise? I challenge everybody in this room who's in love with Jesus, who can say that God has done something powerful in your life, to get on your feet and give God 10 seconds of praise in this place. Come on, let's give him praise because he's worthy. Let's give him praise because he's due. Let's give him praise because he's the one that paid the price for you and me, and I am going to give him praise because of what he's done for me. I don't care what anyone else in the room is doing. I don't care what anyone else in the room is doing. He did it for me. He did it for me. He did it for me. And I'm not going to let the world make that look so awesome and so fun. Because it is awesome to go to a football game. It is fun. It is exciting when they score a touchdown. And I'm not saying you shouldn't shout for your team and have fun. But if you shout for your team and you sit silent in church, there's something wrong in your heart and you need to get it right. He's worthy of praise. So... We raise our hands to celebrate. We raise our hands to testify. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 2. We're going to jump around this chapter just a little bit. So, so, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Y'all just thought church was long around here. Daybreak till noon. He read it as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and the others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. I'm going to skip down to verse 6 in chapter 8. It says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. It means they were agreeing with what was said. And when we raise hands in worship, when that, a line in that song hits true, he is a way maker. And you think back on your life on time after time where he's made a way. Time after time where he showed himself faithful and that hand goes up. I testify. Amen. I know that that's true. That is true. When the preacher's preaching like I am today and the truth hits you, you know, that is true. It's okay in church to say amen and lift a hand and say good word. It's okay to agree with that and say that's the truth in this place. Amen? amen. Hey, that's good practice right there. You raise your hands to testify. And to say that something is true. And lifted hands show surrender. Show surrender. Every place of worship in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. You know, if I were to pull a gun on just about everybody in here, the first thing that you would do if I had to drop on you is this right here. Don't shoot me. I surrender. You got the drop. When an opposing army overwhelms another army, hands go up. I don't have a gun. I surrender. When we lift our hands up, say, I surrender everything that I am to you in your presence, God. It's an act of surrender. It's not my will. It's your will that will be done in my life. I submit myself to your word. I submit myself to your truth. I submit myself and surrender myself to you in an act of worship. That's what we're saying when we lift up our hands 
to the Lord, and it becomes so powerful when everything is flowing and moving and happening at the same time, and God is touching our hearts, and he's responding to us as we lift up our praise to him because he inhabits the praises of his people. Powerful things begin to happen, and the Bible says that also to, to clap, to shout, to make loud music, and to move. It's okay to move a little bit in church. It's okay, and I'm not talking about break out your break, your, you know, your break dancing from, from your high school days or anything like that. You might be able to pop and lock with the best of them. That's between you and God. But when that music starts hitting and you're really worshiping God and you get caught up in it, move a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Some of y'all have been holding back because you feel insecure about moving a little bit in church and dancing for God. I want to tell you this is the place where you can be free to do that. God asked for that. He asks for that when we praise him. Psalm 150 says, praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Whoa, hang on. What did I say? Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Son of a gun. Praise him with the strings and flutes. I don't know why every church has got to have a God-blessed guitar. Praise him with the strings and flutes. Why don't y'all have flutes? We don't have a flute player. Somebody plays fruit, come let me know. Let you be part of the worship. By the way, if you've got a great voice that God's blessed you with and you're gifted that way or musically you're gifted and talented. Now, everybody thinks they sing good, but like if you actually sing good, um, hey, come talk to Pastor Jeremy or Serena and they'll give you a chance to slowly step into a place where you can use your gifts to lead the people of God in worship. It's not a VIP crew up here. You realize that, right? It's just people using their gifts to worship God. So that's absolutely open. If you want to be a part of it, go talk to them, and they'll start you in that process. Um, Psalm 47, verse 1. It says, come, everyone, clap your hands. Everybody do this. Ah, there you go. It's okay to clap your hands, preferably on beat with the music. You know, whether it's you clap on the one and the three or the two and the four, just make sure you're hitting on beat, and you'll be okay. Clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. For the Lord Most High is awesome. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king of all the earth. That's the reason why we do everything we do in worship, because God is awesome, and he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Now, I know that I just described to you what sounds like a crazy party. Music's playing. Everybody's swaying and dancing. You got people clapping. You got people shouting amen. You got people just testifying amen. That's true. Just giving shouts of praise out to God. That sounds a little chaotic and that sounds a little crazy to me. And maybe some of you guys have had church experiences where you saw that turn into something crazy. One person just started screaming ah! and just started running laps around the building while everybody watched them. You know, or people just came up to the front area around the, you know, where the band was playing, and then they just started doing, I don't know what, they just falling down, wiggling a little bit, getting back up, high-fiving, slapping each other, knocking each other down. You know, we've all, how many of you have seen some crazy stuff happen in church? Yeah, especially when you get around the Pentecostal world. God have mercy. God have mercy. Um, the Bible speaks to that, though. And praise God and do all of that stuff, and yet do it in an orderly fashion. And actually, freedom to worship passionately doesn't justify being disorderly. 
and our worship. 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 32, it reads like this. says, The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. What does that mean, Pastor Josh? That means you can be passionate and you can praise God and you can still be in control. Okay? Well, I didn't have any control over what was happening. The Holy Spirit just took me over and made me do what I... No, 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 no. You probably got a little emotional and excited because God was doing something powerful and you just didn't know how to respond to it. Okay? And what needed to happen was a pastor needed to come to you and say, Hey, buddy, that's awesome. I'm glad you're excited about God. I love that. But let me just tell you what you did distracted a whole lot of people and it's okay to go crazy and worship God but when we become a distraction and we take everybody else's focus off of God and onto us that's a bad place to be and we just need to make sure that we keep that in control make sense is that it all flows in order it all has its place first Corinthians uh, 14 verse 40 says but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way and I love what I've seen here in the church over the last few weeks with worship. Have y'all sensed that and experienced like worship has just gone to another level in our church? And I was kind of cracking up a little bit. I was like, I know we're going to be talking about worship in a few weeks, and these people are just busting loose in worship right now. I just can't wait to see what God does with this when it comes time to, to share this message. Um, but in all that's happened, and then the powerful moves of God that have taken place, and when we call people up and we prayed for them and, and we've had people healed. Listen, last week when we prayed for healing, we had people healed in service last week. We had hearts restored in service last week. This is what's cool. My wife, Kelly, Pastor Kelly, I don't know if you know her or not, she tweaked her back really bad yesterday. And I mean bad, like could barely move around, walk, and she could barely get out of bed this morning. How many of y'all ever tweaked your back? You know what I'm talking about. Man, oh man, that'll just change your life in a bad way. And in prayer time this morning, God healed her back. Healed her back completely. I saw her over here worshiping God. I was like, well, something's going on there. Prayed, and I went around back, and she met me around there, just tears flowing out of her eyes. She said, look what I could do. She touched her toe. She stretched. She did this, that, and that. She couldn't even move this morning. God healed her. Listen, God's doing powerful things in our church, powerful things in our church. But at any point in time, did any of that become disorderly? No. Did it become chaotic? No. Why? Because God is a God of order, not a God of disorder. And when it's done correctly, it's beautiful. And when you let it go out in left field and become crazy, it's ugly, and it pushes people away. It's important for us to, to worship God and to worship him the way that he wants us to worship him and to be free to be able to express that and, and to step out of the peer pressure. Even as adults, you know, we can experience peer pressure. I think even more so than kids because, I don't know, adults, we, we like to think we got it all together. Um, don't let that peer pressure hold you back in your worship to God. I think everything that we've experienced is just the beginning, and I think God's wanting to take us. You know, God, this sounds so hokey and so super spiritual to another level in our worship. I think a better way to say it would be for us to take another step into worship whatever that means for you, to feel free to express yourself in an orderly way 
to let your heart cry out and communicate to God. And why is that important, Pastor Josh? And I'd say it's because worship changes us and it impacts others. When we worship God and we just connect with Him, you guys that, that have just been lost in worship and have experienced God move powerfully in your life, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's, there's a work that He can only do in that moment of worship where you're giving him praise and you're surrounded in his presence. Because when we lift him up in praising, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And in his presence, that's where the miraculous takes place. That's where the work is done on us, on the inside, in his presence as we're worshiping him. Spending time in prayer, yes. Spending time in his word, yes. But all of those combined with worship in our home and then brought into a corporate setting like this, we all show up and, and get into a place where God can just move freely in our hearts and our lives. That's where he begins to change us from the inside out as our soul cries out to him. And we express it through our words and our bodies, every part of who we are. That's where the change happens. In too many churches, they preach and teach for behavior modification where they try to teach you how a Christian is supposed to act and how a Christian is supposed to behave. And if they would have preached a message like this, they would have said, in this church, we're going to praise God this way. In this church, you're going to lift your hands because if you're not, you're less spiritual than the person next to you. You know, they're training for behavior modification. That's not what we're about here at this church because that's not what Jesus was about. He was about life transformation. And that happens from the inside out. And when we worship God and we're in his presence, he is able to do something in us that he can't do any other time. And that change becomes real and authentic because he's changing us from the inside out in his presence. Does that make sense? And as he's changing us and as we're worshiping him, something powerful happens as, as we're praising God. You realize that People get saved in a church. They come in and they have no idea how they're supposed to behave. Some of you are in those shoes right now or you've recently been in those shoes. And they're going to look at what we're doing in here and gauge how worship is supposed to look by how they see everyone else worshiping. So there's an element of discipleship in there because we're impacting somebody else by our example. And they see our passion and they see our hearts. And they say, you know what? I think I'm going to model what I'm seeing in this room. So... If the room looks like this, they're going to model that. But if the room is full of passion and excitement and they sense something real about it, they're going to model that and they're going to take it home with them. And you've had a part in God changing somebody else's life just by how you worship. 1 Corinthians 14, we're going back there again. Verse 25, this is where it gets really fun. It says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, that word prophesy there means exalting. Okay, it's kind of confusing the way they translate this, but it actually means exalting. It's an act of praise. So if somebody comes in that doesn't believe in Jesus and they come in and they see everyone praising God, they're convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they fall down and worship God 
exclaiming, God is really among you. Because they can feel the presence of God in the place because the people of the church are praising God with authenticity, with passion, and with all of their hearts. It changes the atmosphere of a place. And our praise can destroy the chains of bondage on somebody else's life. Do you ever think of your praise having that kind of power and that kind of impact? See, it, our praise and worship isn't about us. It's not about how we feel or whether or not we're tired that day, or whether or not we feel like lifting up our hands and praising. It's not about us. It's about us lifting up to God a sacrificial act of praise because of what he's done in our lives and because he's worthy. And when we lift him up and his presence floods the place, it changes everything. Then the miraculous happens. Then the chains fall off of people. Then there's healing. Then there's restoration. And the unbelievers that are in here come in the presence of God and they're convicted by the Holy Spirit, not made to feel guilty by a church full of people or a preacher trying to twist the screws on them. It's an authentic conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit that is there because the people of God have invited the presence of God into the place by their praise. Worship is one of the most powerful elements of our walk with God. And while it's changing us, it's changing others. And as we're glorifying God, He's working in others' hearts because His presence is free to do as He will. I want to challenge you today to take another step in your praise and worship. Now, I've asked the praise and worship band to prepare to lead us in another song. I think, I think it's appropriate for us to not just talk about worship, but, but to give us an opportunity to have some application here, too. I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the message as the praise and worship team's making their way up to the stage to get ready. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to force you to do anything that you're uncomfortable doing. What I'm asking you to do today is this, is to look at where you're at in your life, look at where you're at in your worship, and look at what the Word of God challenges us to do. And I'm asking you to take another step in that direction today. Now the choice is yours take another step in that direction today to forget about the person next to you and you guys at home maybe you need to forget about who's in the room with you over these next few moments and just focus on God well I just don't feel like it won't well, start to think about everything he's done for you his blessing in your life the times that he's protected you that testimony that you have well, Josh, you don't know what I'm going through in my life right now. That's the most perfect time to praise God and be reminded of his faithfulness and his goodness and lift him up and invite him into the situation that you're walking through instead of trying to go through it on your own. Walk through that in the presence of God and let him be that fourth person in the fire. Challenging you to take another step today. And I don't want you to feel pressured. I don't want you to feel manipulated. But I want everyone in the place, if you would, let's just stand to our feet, if you physically can.
Why do we stand? Well, if a judge were to walk into a courtroom, you'd stand. If a king were to walk into this room, we'd probably stand out of respect once we figured it out. If the president were to walk into this room, if we voted for him, depending on what year it was, we might stand. It's a sign of respect and honor. That's why when we're in the presence of God and we're worshiping, we stand. That's why we do it. Now, I know some of us physically aren't able to do that, and that's fine. God sees your heart. I want to challenge you to go further in your worship today. For some of you, that might mean lifting a hand. For some of you, that might mean opening your mouth and actually singing instead of mouthing the words that are on the screen while the band plays it. For some of you, it might mean finally just forgetting about everything going on in your life and just thanking God. Well, this isn't really my style of music. It's not about the style of music. It's about the God that the music is giving praise to. And we can praise Him with or without the music. Well, I just... I, I can't keep up with all those words on the screen. Okay, then just start with God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I thank you. Thank you that I've got a day to be in church to praise you. Thank you that I can be in a church and be free to praise you without worrying about somebody busting through the doors to haul me off to jail. God, thank you for me having the health to be able to be here, the transportation. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you that I have food to eat when I get back home. Thank you for my family. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for me. Thank, just begin to thank him. And it's, I promise you that praise is going to overflow out of you. It comes out of our heart to him. I think God's worthy of praise. And I don't think a football game, and I don't think a concert, and I sure don't think a golf tournament should show up the church of the living God. Amen? I challenge you to take a step and worship God because He's worthy. Amen? You guys ready? Let's go that next step.